Welcome to the Let's Break Bread podcast. This is Eli. This is my new. And this season, we will be inviting Christian leaders and teachers to join us to talk about things that matter to many young adult Christians today. We hope these conversations will encourage, challenge, and inspire your faith and your walk with the Lord. We also encourage you to continue these conversations within your local church. You can find us on Instagram at Let's Break Bread. Friends, let's break bread together. Come invited and listen in on gospel-centered conversations. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Break Bread podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking about mental health, and we will be exploring the importance of mental health. Our guest here today is George Stone. George, can you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, thank you so much, Manu, for for having me on the show and and Eli for having me on the show. I'm so excited to to be a part of this podcast today. And um, Yeah, I work as a mental health counselor, a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Illinois. Um, I work in a private Christian practice called Hopeful Therapy, and we serve, you know, all sorts of mental health concerns. Many of my clients um, struggle with issues around anxiety, depression and PTSD. And so helping individuals kind of navigate through their struggles in mental health and get them to a place where they have the skills that they need throughout the day to address those concerns um, or be able to work with them through past events that really, you know, have kept them stuck in their lives. And so just being able to, to be salt and light to them in the counseling office has been um, a huge part of my job and, and reflecting Christ to them and, and sharing with them, you know, the hope that's found in, in, in Jesus and, and the gospel. Um, those moments are the moments that, that I've enjoyed the most. But that's essentially what I do, you know, Monday through Friday. And then Saturday through Sunday, um, I'm currently part of a church plant in Chicagoland here called the Prodigal Network. Um, and we're just wanting to, to be faithful to what God is calling us to and developing um, disciple makers throughout Chicagoland. Thank you so much um, for that introduction. Here at our podcast, we want to center our conversations around Jesus, the gospel, and how that just meshes into our lives, right? So this is from a quote um, that we love from Tim Keller, and it goes, if the gospel is that you are more sinful than you ever thought you were, and you are more loved than you ever dreamed you could be, when was the gospel first good news to you, and how is it still today? Um, you know, I think when I look back on my life, I'm very grateful that that God's really always been a part of it. If uh, you know me, if if our if our audience knows me uh, or has heard me speak at all, um, whether through Yesu Communitas podcast or through our summit, a part of my story is developed out of my great grandfather's story, and essentially you know, a part of his legacy. My great-grandfather is um, Boya Tok, who was the first Hmong convert in Laos. Just having that be a part of my story um, has really shaped how I see God working through me, working through the Hmong people, um, and, and, and through the body of Christ. And, you know, I grew up in the church and kind of heard his story growing up because my mom and dad would, would often talk about it um, when they were meeting with pastors and things like that. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's cool. But uh, I came to faith personally um, when I was 11 at a VBS Bible camp. And it was, it was a moment in which um, my, my children's pastor um, 
he came and, and kind of talked to us at our table and he was like, man, how, how do you guys know what's going to happen if you guys were to, were to die or if the world were to, to end and, and Jesus were to come back, what, where would you be? And just having that conversation re- with him, re- like revealed to me, like, man, I just need Jesus. He's the only way for me to be forgiven of my sins. He's the only way for me to um, be able to, you know, be in heaven with, with God and um, escape eternal damnation. And so I was just like, okay, this is, this is my truth. This is what I need to believe. And then the Lord very quickly, you know, that, that next year opened up my heart to, to the idea of just being a pastor and, and going into ministry. Um, and so since the age of 12, I've always dreamt about being a pastor. Um, and that really became the, the main focus of my, my life. And yeah, continue to grow up. The Lord continued to form me. Um, and, and, you know, I went to, to Northwestern in St. Paul and really just took up the opportunity to, to train myself up for, for ministry and started pastoring when I was 19. So uh, the gospel has definitely been a huge part of, of my life and, and my, my process. And even now, as I'm a counselor, after graduating from, from Trinity here in Deerfield, Illinois, you know, my focus has been, okay, what, what is God wanting me to do? He's wanting me to love other people. He's wanting me to show them where, you know, sin has been pervasive in their own life. And he wants me to uh, reveal to them the truth and, and the hope that's found in his gospel. And, and, and lead them to, to that hope. And so um, that's all that, that I want to do. That's all that I want to be is, you know, salt and light to others so that they can see the gospel for themselves. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that with us today, especially about like, you know, your journey from your family, how that plays in um, into yourself, into your vocation and how God's just been working since forever just to bring you to where you are now as he utilizes you for his gospel work. I know you said that you um, had felt the call to go to pastoral work, correct? Yep. Okay. So where did the vocational pathway lead into specifically the field of mental health? Yeah. So um, I, I started as a youth pastor and, and served in a, a few different churches. But the second church that I served in, I started recognizing that I just needed some more equipping. And so um, many of my coworkers were like, you know, what if you want to, you know, go get your MDiv or continue your studies? You know, we just suggest you go to, to Trinity because it was kind of the the gold standard at the time for Christian academics. And uh, they were willing to help support us a bit to, to get to Trinity. And uh, we were just excited to see what God was going to do with us. And first started at Trinity trying to, to get my MDiv. And then as I was going through the program, and it was funny because it was just the first semester, um, I was like, man, I don't feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I don't mm-hmm. think continuing to, to just only be trained in, in preaching and teaching is, is the only thing that God has for me. So I really took a bit of time to pray and, and the Lord was like, do something that's going to allow you to be more free to, to serve more people. I looked at the other programs and there was this mental health counseling program. And I was like, man, I am often counseling people when I'm, you know, serving in the pastor role. And I think that's one thing pastors kind of aren't told when they start out. Um, that counseling is a huge part of their ministry. I think most pastors think about, oh, I'm going to teach on Wednesday nights for Bible study. I'm going to teach on Sunday mornings for Sunday school or I'm preaching. Um, so those are like kind of the two main jobs that that pastors think that they have. But 
you know, I would say a good like 60% of the pastoral role is counseling. And so I thought to myself, okay, if I were to do counseling, I could still serve in a church. I could serve outside the church, but still provide Christian counsel to people. Or if the Lord called me somewhere else and I was supposed to just be a mental health counselor, it could be a tent making job for me as I provide ministry elsewhere so that churches don't have to necessarily foot my bill or, you know, worry about paying me, the Lord could provide through this other job. And so that was, you know, part of it. And then when I finally got into the program, man, uh, the Lord just started opening up my own heart and, and working through all of the personal mess that I had. And it was like, yeah, see, this is, this is the healing that I need other people to experience. And, and so he said, I want you to be a part of that process. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, I get it. When he wrecked me in that process and then put me back together, he was like, now go and do that to other people. <laughs> and because we are talking about mental health, can you explain a little bit about what it is and then why it is important? Um, so when we think about mental health, oftentimes I think people look at it and they hear mental issues. And so the health word kind of gets thrown out of the picture and we just think, like crazy. And there's a whole stigma around mental health and parts of it is cultural. And, and when you're looking at like either the Hmong or Southeast Asian or just Asian um, Eastern, you know, mentality around family, around shame and, and honor systems, right? Mental health gets this huge stigma because it's like, why would you put your information out there? Why would you share the issues that the family has with, you know, complete strangers? And, and that's often the, the pushback that we get from either our family members, our parents even, um, you know, our aunts and uncles. Um, they're like, no, if you have problems, just come and talk to me about it. And there's no need to go outside the family. So there's that stigma that, that comes with it. I think in addition to that, um, personally, we just often are feeling shame about our, our current situations. And when we come to the realization that something's not right, whether it's, man, I'm, I'm so worried whenever I wake up that this day is going to be a horrible day, or man, I can't get myself out of bed. I have no motivation. I, I just... I don't even know what to do with myself, or I just don't enjoy life right now, right? All these like concerns and thoughts that come up um, the moment we wake up, we think to ourselves, no one's going to understand what I'm feeling. No one's going to care. Um, someone's just going to tell me to suck it up. And so I'm, I'm just going to sit quietly through this pain and, and this discomfort and hope that it goes away or hope that I can work myself out of this. And, and so there's just all that stigma that comes with mental health. And, um, you know, oftentimes when we think about it, that's where our mind goes to. Uh, but I really would like for people to, to recognize that mental health is, is crucial to, to who we are as people, um, that it's crucial to our experience. And, and what it is, is putting ourselves in a place of health when it comes to managing our emotions, managing our thoughts and our concerns. And, and, you know, it's almost like the work that I do, I would love for it to be preventative, right? That people would say, oh man, I'm looking at this situation and I know that this next season is going to be really difficult for me. So I'm just going to prepare myself. And before getting into the mess of all of it, I'm going to develop some skills to make sure I can deal with this. And so that's, that's kind of where I land. And so 
again, when you think about mental health, think about your thoughts and emotions, how you're able to manage them, and the ways in which they affect uh, your relationships with others, the work that you do, or, you know, your personal kind of view of yourself. Um, and from those, uh, those areas of life, when, when you start to feel like you can't live the way that you want to live, um, that's when we get into the spaces of being concerned about the issues, right? Yeah, thank you for sharing those um, tangible tips. And also, like, I totally agree that it should be preventative. So going forward, um, how do we start the conversation about mental health in a church context so that it's helpful for people? You know, I, I think that's a really crucial question to ask because oftentimes uh, we want to, to be able to address these issues, but because, you know, again, those issues of stigma, um, whether in the church or just in our families or communities, um, there's this uh, space in which we just hesitate and, and we're asking ourselves, man, if I were to bring this up, am I going to get shamed? Am I going to get shut down? Am I going to be told like, that's not for Christians, right? And the the scary thing is, you know, oftentimes I've, I've been met with those responses of, yeah, you know what, that sounds great. Um, for other people, but I don't think that's for my congregation. I've heard that from pastors, and and that that kind of scares me <laughs> because I'm thinking to myself, man, <laughs> what do you do when your congregants are dealing with PTSD? What do you do when you know they're in clinical depression and you're just continually throwing Bible verses at them and it's not helping them? Right. And I don't want to say, you know, that scripture is insufficient. I think it is, you know, the best tool that we have as Christians, as believers. And, and the thing that we should, you know, really dig deep into and, and put our roots in. But the struggle is most people, even believers, haven't developed a strong enough foundation, haven't tilled the soil for the gospel to be in a place where that seed lands in the good soil and is able to, you know, yield a harvest a hundred times, right? Uh, most of us end up uh, having the, the gospel seed being thrown into the weeds and then we end up being choked out by the worries of, of life. You know, people don't don't see that and recognize that. And so what we have to do is use what God has given us and especially in the field of mental health, um, use these resources to till the soil, to clear out the weeds and, and really make sure that the gospel is landing in the right place. And so when it comes to starting this conversation with the church, helping your, your pastor to see and you know, recognize the need that you have as an individual and you know, be able to help them feel more comfortable with the idea. And so maybe if you know a counselor who, you know, is working in your area, your, your, you know, community um, saying, Hey, pastor, would you be willing to have a conversation with um, this counselor that I know? And, and, you know, would you consider maybe developing a relationship with them so that when we have mental health concerns or needs, you feel comfortable and confident enough about the work that they do to be able to refer out to these counselors. And if your pastor doesn't have those networks already, helping him develop those networks is going to be crucial in him even knowing, oh, we have these resources available to us. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think a lot of times it's always just starting the conversation that is difficult because you never know if you're going to get hit by like, a, oh, we don't do that or like, a, oh, okay, 
let me hear more, you know. I know you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what's been one of the biggest challenge that you've seen when you talk about mental health in a church? So outside of stigma, I think personal shame is often uh, the biggest challenge. And, and the reason I say that is because when we look at scripture and we look at even Adam and Eve and, and what they experience when they, they sin, when they first disobeyed God, immediately there's this experience of shame and what it does is isolates them. It forces them into the space of hiding. And again, when we think about who we are as people, and, and we look at how we're experiencing life, especially in the church, uh, these messages of trust in God and, and things will be okay, but things aren't going okay for us, even when we you know, are doing our best to trust in God, right? There's so much shame that gets welled up inside of us, and it pushes us to this place of, man, I, I don't feel like, one, I belong, right? If I reveal that I'm struggling with these things you know there's just so much fear in that 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 someone's just going to invalidate what we're experiencing someone's going to to tell us to do something we're already doing and it's only going to essentially create more doubt and fear that man we just either aren't aren't able to experience joy right or maybe we're not even real believers, right? And that's a, a very sad and discouraging experience to have, right? For someone to say, oh, just keep praying, have more faith, uh, read your Bible more. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I do these things every day and, and nothing is changing. Like, you know, maybe this just isn't for me. Like that breaks my heart when I hear those experiences. That breaks my heart when I see that happen because you know that there's so much more available in resources for for those individuals who are struggling that way but they have to sit quietly in the church because if they've brought it up before more than likely they've been met with those responses and and we really just have to begin opening up those spaces of conversation to say and name you know what we're observing in other people uh, there were these commercials that came out uh, a few years ago where like people were experiencing depression and they would bring it up in conversation and then awkwardly the commercial would just like get really quiet and then like little bubbles would pop up and be like what am I supposed to say I don't know if you guys remember those commercials but I was just like man this is legit what happens you know in conversations like people want to bring up these issues but they just don't know how because they're worried that the other person doesn't know how to respond and when they do come up oftentimes the other person really doesn't know how to respond and so if we can start being salt and light in that space and just naming those things, calling them out, and then encouraging people to have conversations about it, that would really help the church, especially the church community, to begin opening up to these opportunities of healing and actual movement towards the gospel in individual lives. Yeah. What are some ways that we can respond well to somebody if they bring up that, oh, they've been feeling this way, or if they've been thinking these thoughts, like how do we, I guess, respond to that in a way that doesn't make them feel like they're invalidated or they're rejected? Again, I'll, I'll start with things that you shouldn't do. Um, don't offer platitudes. And uh, platitudes are kind of those phrases that I, I had mentioned earlier. You know, everything's going to be okay. And God's in control. He's got this. Don't worry about it. 
or, you know, just pray some more or read your Bible more. Those platitudes are, you know, yeah, great advice, but chances are the people are already doing those things. Um, and so, again, you can often lead people into discouragement when you continue to suggest those things and they haven't been effective in treating the, the depression or the anxiety or whatever. Where we really need to start is one, asking that the Lord would begin to do work in our own hearts and our own personal lives around these issues. For yourself, be willing to go and get some sort of counseling, you know, whether you feel like you really, really need it or like you don't need it at all, but you just want to experience it. In that space, like we can really give ourselves an opportunity to say, man, what is this like? And, and after we've experienced it, we're much more confident to say, I can encourage someone to, to go and do this. I can refer someone to a counselor, maybe the counselor that I worked with. Um, and in that space, we, we kind of are a bit more confident about responding. So go and get your own counseling, experience that for yourself. A lot of my work comes out of 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Uh, and, and it's, you know, just Paul saying, praise be to God, the God of comfort, who gives us this comfort, um, not so that we ourselves can be comforted, but that we can comfort those who are also suffering with us. And, and it's that space in which we have to recognize that unless we experience comfort ourselves, uh, we can't really offer the comfort of God to others. If you're wrestling with your own mess, chances are you don't even know how to, how to really give advice or how to, to, to help someone out of their own mess. And then uh, the other thing I would say is as you're responding, respond out of a place of love and a place of humility. Don't respond as though uh, you know exactly what the other person's experiencing. There, there are so many scriptures that tell us to be quick to understand, be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. I think back to, you know, a number of situations um, where people get angry because the people that they love are struggling. And, and I think to myself, why are you yelling at this person for, for struggling in their life? Like that doesn't make any sense. And, and, and the issue with that is oftentimes people don't know how to wrestle with their own emotions, right? So when they see someone that they love in distress, they get angry because they're like, I don't want you to feel this way. Right, <laughs> and so maybe you have a friend who's been depressed for a while, and they just keep coming back, and they're just like, "Um, I knew I don't know what to do with myself. I just feel this way, and I don't know how to change it." And and at times you just want to shake them, <laughs> you just want to snap out of it. <laughs> um, but that doesn't help, right? And and so don't get angry at them, but really say, "Lord, how can I respond in a way that?" that would be encouraging? How can I respond in a way that would show them that they're not alone? And, and oftentimes that requires a lot of empathy. And oftentimes we have no clue what empathy looks like. <laughs> um, so if you need help with learning what empathy looks like, go and watch Brene Brown's uh, video on empathy. It's a cute little cartoon and it just really lays it out very simply. Uh, you guys, you guys don't get the video version of this, but if uh, you did, you would have seen my new clapping your hands really, really excitedly around that, that reference. You know, I, again, if, if you can watch that video, watch any of Brene Brown's talks on, on empathy. And it's really important because when you are finally able to get in touch with your own emotions and, and be able to work out of that space. And again, 
connect with someone and their experience, it really helps the process of them being able to say, I'm not alone in this. So oftentimes we might come up with platitudes to, to share or uh, we might just end up saying, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry you're going through that. But those things continue to kind of distance a person from their community because they don't feel as though they're being heard or understood. So being willing to say things like, man, that really sounds difficult. And I don't know what to do to really help you right now, but I just want to sit here with you. And if you want to just keep sharing, like I'm, I'm willing to just hear and giving them that space to know that, hey, this is a safe person that I can actually express my emotions to. And they're not going to judge me for it. They're not going to tell me that I can just get over it. But this is a safe place. And that's what we want to be. That's what Jesus is for us, right? When we have our traumas and our, our issues that we deal with, Jesus is the one who says, I'm here. I see you. I hear your story. I, I know what you're going through. And we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. And that's what brings us comfort. When that song talks about the kindness of Jesus and how it brings us closer to the gospel, like that's what it is. It's, it's when we can live out of that kindness uh, and, and really be able to do those things. Sorry, yeah. I went on. No, it's awesome. I love it. Um, I have to like, just be honest. Like, this is such a very convicting like conversation for me <laughs> because, you know, like when you're like, oh yeah, so don't do this. I'm like, oh shoot, I did that like last week. I was like, yeah, it'll be okay. Or that sucks. Or even recognizing the times when I've been upset with friends, family, loved ones who genuinely were hurting, you know, and then realizing yeah, that is a symptom of me not knowing how to just wrestle with my own inner turmoil, right? Or to navigate my own mental health and the stigmas that I hold there. And I really appreciate this conversation because it puts me in a position where it's like, okay, this is where I need to, to work on, not just for my own personal well-being, but like you said, to be salt and light, to love my neighbor, to love the people around me um, mm. and to do that well in a way that is safe that is encouraging and, you know, to be a, a person that is a safe place for people um, to come and just to be with. And so I really appreciate your thoughts and your ideas that you've been sharing because I'm just like, ah, yes, I need to do that because I have a very real fix it mentality, right? Someone comes and tells me I have an issue, but like, okay, but have you thought about doing this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, you know, I'm really good. If you want to solve an issue, like I'll do it with you. But it's like you said, it's learning to be like Jesus who, who will sit with you first. Mm -hmm. um, it makes you think of how when he met Martha and then at, when he met Mary, he gives them what they need. Mm. You know, to one, he gives truth and to one, he gives tears, but exactly what they need. And I think it's learning to identify that is a journey I have been on and continue to stumble <laughs> and fall. Mm. So I really want to say I would really appreciate um, what you shared and... I hope that whoever's listening or will be listening will be able to, to like you said, be able to step into this path of empathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. Um, thank you for sharing both of you. Because I know I've been met with empathy and it's so good when people meet you where you are and they don't tell you or they don't shame you for like, oh, just get over it. I think that a lot of people, like Eli mentioned, like struggle with that, you know? So I, I just appreciate everything that you've shared. Um, uh, moving forward, how has your faith played a part in your work as a counselor um, and your approach to mental health? You know, I think, again, for me, 
a huge part of it is just recognizing that we each have a specific call to live out the gospel in our lives, right? And, you know, oftentimes there's the higher call, right? The greater call of, you know, learning to become more like Jesus and simply just living out the gospel in that way of continuing to be sanctified and redeemed and, and transformed into the likeness of Christ. And, and that's a very personal experience of what it looks like to live out the gospel. Um, but I think we also have a very specific call based on how God's created us to meet those who uh, really need to understand that for themselves, right? And that's this the, the Great Commission. That's the space um, in which, you know, we're, we're living out um, our faith by evangelizing. We're living out our faith by revealing this truth and, and being salt and light to the rest of the world. And so, you know, I think everyone should be encouraged to know that their personal process of becoming more like Christ is huge in their ability to, you know, take on that other call to, to be salt and light to the world. Um, and so for me personally, that's kind of where a lot of my identity stems from is saying, okay, how do I become more like Christ each day? And how do I show Christ to the people I'm living around each day? Um, and so when that kind of flows into my work, on the back of my, my business cards, I have the verse John 10, 10 on there. Uh, and, and that's the passage in which Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. Jesus is talking about how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus came so that we might have life and life abundant. And, and when I think about mental health, when I think about um, the spaces in which the enemy wants to creep in and, and whisper his lies and steal our joy and, and essentially kill who we are as people, this is what Jesus is talking about, uh, is, is that he wants us to live free from uh, the enemy's lies and his destruction uh, and, and really just live life trusting and knowing that we have a good shepherd, knowing that we have, you know, a, a shepherd who's going to care for us, who's going to, to see us in our distress and leave the 99 to come and find us, right? I really do want to, to share that truth with, with other people. Uh, oftentimes, the work that I do with my clients, some of them are Christian, and so it's a lot easier to practice uh, using biblical tenets, using you know these these Christian values and and truths to encourage them with, and and they appreciate that. They want that to be a part of the process, but some of them aren't Christian, and some of them you know aren't as open or desiring to go into that conversation. And so, I have to think to myself, how do I continue to to share the gospel with them, but not in a forceful way, not in a very explicit way. And the way I do that is by just loving them well and, and partnering with the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, they don't know you yet. They don't see you yet. But if they can see you and come to know you through the way that I love them in this session right now, help me to do that. Um, and so all of my work is in partnership with the Holy Spirit and really asking, okay, there are things that need to be revealed right now, right? Reveal those things to me so that we can get through these things, right? There are lies that they are continuing to, to believe and accept for themselves as truth help reveal those lies so that we can speak against them, so that we can work against them. So that's really where, where faith comes in with my practice. Um, and so regardless if they're, they're Christian or not, I'm still called to be salt and light in my own life. And so if I can love them well, if I can respect them, if I can 
give them love and care that they're not getting in their communities back at home. It gives them the opportunity to experience God's love in that way. What's been one of your greatest joys working in mental health? I think right now what I'm enjoying the most is recognizing in my client load the number of young men that I get to work with. And, and you know, I, I love working with, with women. I love working with a diverse client base. But being able to work with young men right now has really been eye-opening for myself and has really affected the way that I see how young men are struggling in the world today with their own mental health. And oftentimes it's not the most fun sessions because they're either being brought in because their parents are concerned about them, but they don't really want to talk about anything or, uh, you know, they, they just don't have the muscles yet to do the work of, um, you know, lifting these heavy emotional weights, right? But there's this process in which you begin to see them grow and you begin to see them like open up to the idea of, oh, it's okay for me to have emotions. It's okay for me to connect with this part of my life. It doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me whatever the shame might be with, you know, struggling with some mental health issues. That, that's been a real blessing to me in this specific season of, of my work. Um, I think beyond that, there have just been some real God moments where my clients have been like, how did you know to say that? Or someone just told me that the other day and I blew it off. It's like God is trying to really nail this in the coffin for me, right? God is really trying to get me to understand this. And like those God moments where I'm just like, oh, Lord, thank you for, <laughs> for speaking through me right now. And then, you know, reminding me that this isn't about myself. <laughs> those are the moments that I'm, I'm just like constantly reminded, like God is with me in this and, and God is wanting to bring healing to these people's lives. Yeah, you brought up a, a very interesting point that, Generally speaking, I guess men have a more difficult time to talk about mental health. Uh, why do you think that is? And how do we start the conversation of making it okay for guys to like talk about their feelings or to even start thinking about their own feelings? Yeah, you know, when it comes to, to men and emotions, the status quo is you don't show any, right? You know, you, you think about it even as you, you know, you grow up and you're crying and your mom or your dad or your uncle or your brothers are like you don't cry boys don't cry stop crying right it's like dang like i'm really sad right now and this is how you're gonna treat me like we don't know how to think that way but uh, as kids but those are the messages we're given right is this is embarrassing don't do this in public don't show your emotions you know, I think even in, in American culture, there's a space in which you don't show emotion because it shows that you're vulnerable, right? And if you are vulnerable, people are going to use that against you. So you're kind of even given this fear of, man, if I let my emotions out, people are going to use it against me. It's not safe. So I'm just going to keep my emotions to myself. And then, uh, you know, there's, there's also this space in which, uh, and, and this is oftentimes the reason why anger is the most expressed emotion is because we're told if you feel a certain way don't show it but if you're angry good use that anger and and put it towards something you're passionate about right anger becomes the only acceptable uh, emotion to express in society and and then like 
we we're confused then on why we're so disconnected emotionally from each other because anger is an emotion that disconnects us <laughs> from each other and so uh you know when we think about anger it's all about protecting ourselves protecting our feelings getting our point across um, and in that space we we lose the opportunity to develop relationships with other people to heal relationships with other people and so when it comes to men and, and mental health and emotions um, there's a video that came out um, short documentary um, called the mask you live in it's it's a quick uh, you know documentary that talks about how boys process through um, their emotions how they're taught to process through their emotions and and the status quo that's uh, developed around it but essentially it's this space that you know, we just don't feel safe to express ourselves. We don't feel safe to share with other people um, what we're feeling out of fear that they're going to use it against us or that we're going to be, be viewed as weak. And so we just want to keep those things to ourselves. And if we can break that stigma, if we can break down those walls, we could have so many more healthy men in the, in the world rather than boiling pots of water that oftentimes boil over because they don't know how to deal with the pressure and the, the experience of their emotions. And I just want to add to that too, uh, regarding like uh, breaking the stigma, like where do we start? I think for, for Christian men, look to Jesus, you know, let's look to Jesus as, as exactly what it was, the perfect representation of what it means to be, to be human, to be most truly human, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And we know that Christ in his incarnation came down as man. And we see that Jesus displays a full array of emotion. He, he cries at the tomb of his friend. He is angry at injustice. He's angry at, the, at Pharisees who come and try to ask really pointed questions. You know, he is frustrated at the unbelief of his friends and he is dismayed, you know, at his friends who, who could not stay up with him to pray. And he shows it and he shares it. And mm. I say, like, if God can do that, we can begin to see, or at least begin to imagine how that can be okay for us too. And that's like, that's like what I do is like, I'm like, oh gosh, like I don't fit this script, but the script of this world is not as important as Christ-likeness. Mm. So yeah, it's like, so to Christian men who, who want to begin to imagine the possibility and plausibility of, of being fully alive, like look to Jesus and be not afraid. Yo, if, if there's a quotable moment of, of this whole entire podcast, I hope it's nothing that I've said. And I hope you guys recapture that statement that Eli just made. Like, sometimes I feel like I don't fit the script, but I have to remember it's not the script that matters. Yeah. It's looking like Christ and becoming more like Christ. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, I think oftentimes men, and in, in specifically in, in the Christian community, there's a space in which like emotions just aren't aren't okay like you'll constantly hear actually like don't trust your emotions right? mm -hmm. emotions are bad you can't you can't you know work off of emotions yeah. gotta reason it out or you know hey go 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 back to truth what is yeah, scripture exactly and it's like yeah. scripture clearly says that god was grieved in genesis 6 <laughs> <laughs> right clearly says yeah. that you know mm -hmm. jesus had compassion that jesus cried he experienced anxiety like mm -hmm. it's okay 
you to feel these things. Don't tell me it's not. Right? Yeah, this is a both and conversation that we get to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm so thankful that we get to have the both and. I would be so devastated if we could only have one. <laughs> you know, like we were like, what would we do? And I guess that would be okay to have one if our God was a God who is uninterested in, mm-hmm. in his creation, if he was far off and distant. But that's not what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us he's very invested and he's very interested in, in the workings of his good creation. Fallen as it is, he's redeeming us to himself because he wants to enjoy us. So this doesn't necessarily have to be in regards to the topic so far, but it can be. What is a book or, or two that you would recommend for our listeners to read and why? Right now, the, the most recent book that I've read um, is uh, The Color of Compromise. Uh, so The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. Um, and it's very just pertinent to the social climate of our world today, but also is really revealing to the ways in which Christians and the ways in which the American church have been complicit in racism and, and racial structures in our society today. And, and I think we really need to, to be aware of those things. So that's just going to be my quick side note, like great book, easy read, not an easy read in the sense that you're probably going to be a bit disturbed and, and frustrated yeah. with it, but great read. Um, the other book that I would say mental health wise would be good for everyone to read is The Body Keeps the Score okay. by Vessel van der Kolk. Uh, the Body Keeps the Score is about trauma um, and how the body processes trauma and how that stays with us. And the reason why I say uh, read this book is because specifically for for our Hmong community trauma is a huge issue yeah our parents our grandparents they have experienced traumas that we can't even imagine we don't recognize that it's affected them so much so that when we get frustrated with the ways that they behave we have zero compassion for them but when you read this book and you recognize oh my goodness my parents are struggling with this my grandparents are struggling with this they Uh lost everything right and they continue to struggle with this idea of of loss that they can't get away from but the body keeps the score helps you understand how trauma is processed in our bodies in our brains and how that affects us uh in our daily lives and so if you can pick up that book and read it it's a bit more meaty a bit more like critical in in thinking Mm -hmm. um but it's really really helpful in understanding your own trauma and understanding the trauma of others around you Awesome. Well, thank you so much for those book recommendations. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Like where can people find you? What are things you want to plug? Yeah. Um, so again, we're, um, I'm, I'm located in uh, Vernon Hills, Illinois. Uh, so that's like the north, north suburbs of Illinois. We're about an hour north of the city. If you have friends and family nearby and, and you feel like a good referral is needed for them, um, feel free to, to refer them out to, to my practice. Again, it's Hopeful Therapy. And, and I'll send you guys my, my info so you guys can post it with um, the notes and everything. But feel free to, to be a referral source for me. Um, secondly, get to know the, uh, the counselors in your communities and, and be ready to give those referrals yourself. You don't have to be a person of authority to give a referral. You can just be a really good friend and have that resource available. 
we're planting a church here in Chicagoland. Uh, we just did our soft launch um, on October 18th. If you or any friends are in Chicagoland and you want to come check out what we're doing, we're called the Prodigal Network. Um, you can find us on theprodigalnetwork.net. Oh no, theprodigal.net. Okay, and and just come and uh, you know see what God's doing with us here in Chicagoland. Lastly, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a page specifically for my practice. And earlier in the summer, I started doing some videos on mindfulness and, and you know, how to, to kind of be in the present moment. Um, so those are a few good resources as well. And the last thing that I'll, I'll plug very quickly is I'm creating a platform called Mental Moments, hoping to, to re release that uh, before the end of the year here. Uh, really excited for that. Keep an eye out for that. And um, if you guys wouldn't mind when I get it launched, I'm going to uh, have you guys do a few plugs for me too. Yes, for sure. Thank you for sharing those. Um, and again, we just want to thank you so much for coming on to our podcast to talk about this topic. We will have George's information and any related resources in our show notes, as well as on our Instagram. So make sure to follow us there at Let's Break Bread Podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. You can screenshot this episode and share with us on Instagram what your takeaways are. Make sure to tag us at Let's Break Bread Podcast.